Welcome to Tea Time with Sue. In this episode, University President Sue Thomas sits down with student Krishna Chebolu. Krishna is a junior mathematics major from Hyderabad, India. He works as a student advisor in Missouri Hall and is active in student government, Missouri Hall Council, and Namaste Nepal. Let's jump into the conversation. All right, so we are back with another episode of Tea Time with Sue, and I am super excited to have you here with me, Krishna. So before we get started, why don't you give everybody your name, your major, where you're from, you know, all that basic kind of yeah, information. Yeah. Well, my name is Krishna. I am a junior math major at Truman. I am a student advisor at Missouri Hall, and I'm an international student from India. Fabulous. Okay, so we're going to talk about all of that and some other stuff. But let's start first with you're a math major, but you're really into mythology recently. Yeah. How's that working? (laughs) So that's just a class I took for my requirements, like to graduate one of the arts and humanities Uh perspective. But I want to take somewhat of a fun class. Uh, I was told it was a hard class. But it's so interesting. I kind of look past uh, if it's hard or not. Right. Um, I like to I like to develop everything as a whole. So while I'm focusing on math, I like to do a lot of things I like, which is which is why I'm taking Japanese. It's uh, mm-hmm. something I do for fun. I don't. It doesn't. Right. It's not any sort of requirement for me since I'm an international student. But yeah, it's just something I do for fun. I've learned a lot in this class yeah. actually. So tell me why mythology and Japanese are fun for you. Well, I enjoy learning in general. Cool. So I tend to do a lot of things where I learn something. I think of it like usually that what gives me energy back. A lot of people would say learning something would expel that energy. For me, I disagree. Um, I like learning. It's a way of recuperating my energy. So, I, And I love languages, which is why I wanted to learn Japanese. And I just want to know about yeah. stories and mythology. So what, what excites you about languages? Why do you love them? It's just so interesting because once you start learning the language, you kind of see how the culture developed with the language. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. And plus, uh, I want to travel when I grow up. So I want to have a good set of skills so I can live like a person who truly lived there all their life. Mm-hmm. I, I won't get close to it, but it'll be closer than if I did not know the language. So you talked about culture. So let's talk a little bit about that because... I recently had the opportunity to see one of your other skills, which is dancing. That is Can true. Can you talk a little bit about that yeah. and where that happened? Yeah. Well, you're talking about the Dasein and Tihar Night, exactly. which is one of the organizations that I'm in, Namaste Nepal. Uh-huh. It is, I think, the only South Asian uh, student organization on campus. So I did dance. I was also the host for the event. So we celebrated Dasein and Tihar. Um, in India, uh, we celebrate Tihar, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Kind of like Diwali, I'd say, but very, very nice. It's a, it's a good family time uh, back home. Usually we get off from uh, people who work for, in their offices, get off and schools al- are also off. Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time at home getting to know each other, um, kind of eat a lot of food, enjoy each other's company. And that's kind of what we did the event for. So we all enjoy each other's company. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, not only did I enjoy all the company, the food was fabulous. Oh, yeah. Right. We- the entertainment and the talent was amazing. I agree. So how long did it take you to learn how to do that dance? I think, uh, so we started talking about it about a month or month and a half prior to the event. Because mm-hmm. we had an event like this last year and we also did an, a surprise performance. So, I mean, I guess this was not su- technically a surprise, mm-hmm. but it wasn't on the agenda. Right. Um, a month and a half. Because it was the officers of the organization, mm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people usually don't expect like after the closing remarks, you'd have some sort of performance, which right. we did. And I think it was wonderful. 
uh, about a month and a half, but we practice maybe weekly once or twice up until the event. We actually did not practice the four days right before the event because we were all so busy. Right. right. Yeah. So were you a dancer before or did you just have Absolutely to learn not. this recently? No, I like to think I'm flexible, but I did right. not, I, I won't consider myself a dancer, but we did have dancers uh, on the roster of the five people. I think two, three of them are good dancers. Uh, I'm not super bad. No, you were good. You were good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So tell me, you are an essay. And so lots of people who nominated you talked about how you are a fabulous essay. So uh, tell me, tell me why you're an essay, right? What's your connection with your students? And I hear you do pretty amazing bulletin boards. Oh, okay. Uh, well, before, before going, I'm going to sh give a shout out to my residence life people, residence life, but, uh, <laughs> that's something we like to do. But anyway, as an essay, I do, I do really enjoy being an essay, uh, bulletin boards, uh, I enjoy drawing and making art and I don't get a lot of time to do it mm -hmm. with, um, the other things I do for fun. So I figured this would be one of the more creative outlets. So I, I draw my own boards and stuff like that, oh, which I think are really cool. interesting. Uh, my most recent board is, a. Uh, is a take on that's what she said. So our board is supposed to be on interrupting oppression. Okay. So um, I have big letters that I drew saying that's what she said, and I put a few influential women and what they said. Oh. So it's a that's what she said and what she actually said. Cool. So who are the women? Uh, I think amongst them I put Rosa Parks, Malala Yousafzai, and I'm blanking okay. on two more, but I have two more on there. Okay. So is there where can people see this? Uh, I live in Missouri, three South. Three South. So if you go to the three south wing of the Missouri Hall, you can see it over there. For my students, I like to go above and beyond. Uh, I kind of, I think growing up kind of in uh, the way I did uh, led me to see what part of being a student was most enjoyable and try to capitalize mm -hmm. on that. Probably because of my, probably the high school. So during my high school, I did a lot of um, introspection, reflection because of the way the school was designed, which I'll talk about. But yeah, I just like to, I want to give them a sense of belonging um, at Truman. So that's kind of what I like to focus on. Well, given what we heard, you are absolutely achieving that goal. I'm, I'm so glad is, to think that. Which is fabulous, right? Because students being able to connect is what keeps them at Truman, allows them to excel, right? Yeah. To achieve their potential, those kinds of things. So the work that you're doing is really, really important in that. Yeah, I and, like to think so. So... Going on that, you had experience, right, in high school kind of living on campus, but yeah. in a very different kind of way. Can you talk about your boarding school experience? Yeah, so I studied in Varanasi, India, which is a city in India. I think one of the oldest cities in the world. But anyway, so I, uh, my campus was right next to the River Ganga, which is one of the mightiest rivers in India. It's called Rajkat Basant School. Um, it was founded by a philosopher, Jiddu Krishnamurti, who was a famous mm -hmm. education uh, philosopher. So a lot of his, I did a lot of reading over there, which I really enjoyed. But that school was different in the sense, like, because of his philosophies, it, mm -hmm. didn't, it didn't necessarily agree with how conventional schooling was done in India. So the, the school was kind of cut off from the real world. Or like, we yeah. lived deep inside a, a forest. And my dorms wow. were also over there. So I'd live in the dorms. And this was the last two years of my high school. So we didn't have the internet or anything like that. We would if it's necessary. Right, but right. on a regular basis, we would not. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even talk to our parents. Maybe once in two weeks. At the time, we spoke to our parents, except mm -hmm. on like special occasions. Mm. During that time, because there was no internet, right? And I was a kid that kind of grew up in the growth of internet. It sure. was it was it was a little hard, but then I got into reading a lot more. I used to read 
a good amount before uh, going here, but after going here, I read a lot more. I think that's where I kind of developed uh, my principles of living and stuff like that. So what made you want to go to that school, right? It's shut off from the rest of the world, quote yeah. unquote, kind of physically and in terms of social connections yeah, that and is that true. kind of stuff. I How did, did you find out about it and what attracted you to it? Um, I think it was a more joint decision with my parents and myself. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents played a more significant role in deciding about that school because I wasn't aware of the school. Mm -hmm. So I think they found it. And I think when my parents went through their philosophies of the school, they really enjoyed it. And after going to the school, initially I was hesitant. Um, sure. But after I went in, I kind of agreed with what they were doing. And the two, the two main philosophies that stick with me, one of them is that, uh, th this is the school's philosophy that uh, now I, I, I take in. Right. But one of them is like, the total awareness is uh, what leads to the freedom of mind. So it, that one I integrate so much. I like observing I like reading. I like knowing in general. So that's where mm -hmm. I think, that's where I built up my habit of learning kind of situation. And one more is, um, what's the other one? Uh, comparison doesn't lead to growth. The school does believe oh. in that. So we have a no competition situation at school. Okay. Yeah. So how big was the school? It was about 400 students. Oh. Uh, for so grade 3 to 12. Three so to in 12. my class, there were like 20 or 30. 20. It was a pretty small school. So we knew each other. So do those philosophies help you stay calm here? It help does. Case, it does stay actually. Stay centered? Yeah. Yeah. It, because of how much I lived with them, uh, I started living in a more different way than I used to before. Mm -hmm. So I live very independently, very calmly, uh, very focused on what I like to do. And that can still translate here? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because I like distracting myself, but I, uh, like, I, like, I like going out. I like hanging out with my friends. I do... Everything a regular person does, I guess. I'm just a regular person, but <laughs> I enjoy it. Good, good. So, so tell me, okay, so there you are in high school, right? Mm -hmm. You could go anywhere in the world for college. Why Truman? The Fisk Guide to Colleges. Really? Yeah. It was, Truman was on the top 10 best by colleges uh, in the public university mm -hmm. section, and I applied. And... Uh, yeah. Since the school was small, and I saw that Truman was not uh, super big, right. I wanted a small environment so I could interact with my peers and professors more meaningfully. So that's why I kind of came to Truman. And plus, yeah. in my opinion, um, I like to go to places where um, I'm able to thrive a lot more. And I noticed in my high school that, you know, smaller, more tight-knit, the more I interact, the more I'm able to learn. Right. So I figured this would be a very good place for me to start. Okay, so you've been here three years. Mm -hmm. This is my third year start. Third year. Was it a good decision for you? So far, yes. It was, it was a wonderful decision. Um, I've enjoyed my time here ever since. Right. I came during the COVID year. So since Which then, it's only easy. been... An, yeah, it was not <laughs> right. easy. But since then, it's been an uphill. Fabulous. Yeah. So talking about uphill, although maybe not totally uphill, I hear, also hear on top of everything else, you are big into cycling. I do like cycling. I haven't cycled much over here, but back no. home I used to do like long distance cycling competitions. Um, there's this organization back home that does it for every like significant holiday, like the Indian Independence Day. The number of years of independence, we cycled that many days, oh sorry, that many kilometers. Oh. And it was super fun. I once did 80 kilometers in less than three hours. Wow. Which okay. I think was my fastest average time for a city because it was a lot of ups and downs, so it was pretty hard. <laughs> Okay, so translate 80 kilometers for those in the United States. Oh, so 80 no kilometers miles. would be 50 miles. 50. Mm -hmm. 
And over here, I've cycled to Walmart and Aldi's a few times uh, during the summer um, when some of my friends go back home because I don't have a car. But my cycle comes pretty handy. So you have a bike here? Mm-hmm. I got it at the bike sale for $20. Oh, perfect. Some of the best money I've spent. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, so my guess is that also helps relax you some, helps focus mm-hmm. you some when you bike. Absolutely. But I also heard you do something else too. You don't, you're not big into time management. That is true. You're into something I've heard is called energy management. Yeah, yeah. Do tell. I actually uh, first came across this um, in a Reddit post. Um, so th- basically they said that the way time management works is that you allot certain time to do things and you have mm-hmm. a strict schedule. Right. But uh, energy management, I believe, is a little bit more flexible. And I do advocate this for my, my residents in the building. And I keep telling them that you should change your definition of consistency and time management. So the way energy management works is that uh, as tasks come to me, I assign them an energy level. Like this is a low energy task, a high energy task, mm-hmm. or an energy recuperating task. And then depending on how I feel, I take in and do that task. So time management, say in a week you'd have Today I'm going to study three hours from this time to this time. But energy manage- But some days you just don't feel like you want to study sure. uh, a certain sure. subject. Like sometimes math can be pretty heavy. and Sometimes? sometimes? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes math can be pretty heavy. So I don't want to do math. But I'd rather do, I, I want to do something. So I'll mm-hmm. just pick a low energy task. But if I had time management, the, the expectation set that, you know, I'm going to do two hours of math and then I don't end up doing math, it's going to, it's going to haunt at me that, you know, I set this expectation for myself and sure. I didn't meet it. But with energy management, you have the expectation of doing something, and you did do something. So it's, it's much more, I'd say the schedule is more uplifting, because I, I don't feel like I let myself down in any manner. So are any of your residents being able to pursue this too? Or are oh, they still man. struggling some? Do they see the value in it? I actually don't know. Maybe I, sh- I, should, I should follow up and see if you any of them are up. actually doing yeah. it. But yeah. So how long have you been doing that? Maybe about a year. Uh, now it's just yeah. uh, kind of subconscious. I don't necessarily right. think about it, but I always do it that way. I don't create schedules as such. I, I haven't. I have all my tasks listed, and I just yeah. pick which one I'm feeling like. And obviously prioritizing deadlines. Sure. But sure. I pick ones I'm I'm feeling good about and I finish them. So are you? Sounds like are you a content person, a happy person? Oh, I'd say so. How do you so. approach life? I mean, given what everything you're talking about. I think I think I lead, I lead a very nice, comforting life. Um, I, I go out of my comfort zone a lot, but I go about it in a comfortable manner. So I think I lead a very happy life. So can you explain that to people, going outside your comfort zone in a comfortable manner? I think, so when people say go out of your comfort zone, a lot of people could take it as like blind, blindly risk-taking. Mm-hmm. I work under a certain framework or structure about how I'm going to go about this. So if I'm doing something new, for example, this interview, right. like I definitely took a lot of time to prepare as much as looking at your CV. So <laughs> oh, I, I've looked no. at <laughs> Because I wanted to know. Well, that like, was boring. Well, no, it's actually very nice. <laughs> I kind of formatted my CV based on yours. Oh, all right. Because yours was 13 pages. I know, that's probably too long. No, but it was wonderful. It was good. <laughs> I have two, three articles that I think you were part of that I want to read later on. I don't remember the name of it, but it's marked in the CV. Well, you know where to find me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, I think I just follow a certain framework about risk-taking and stuff like that. So I do take risks, but I go about it in a structured manner that minimizes the risk. So, yeah, that's interesting. It fits with I have this conversation with students about how we're bulldogs, but you should also be a cat. Yeah. Right? And the idea is cats go up really high, but they don't freak out because 
they know if they step off, they're going to land on their feet. That is true. And so it's the whole idea, just like you're talking about, of taking calculated risks. Yeah, I like taking, that's a good word, actually. I like taking calculated risks. Yeah, and having enough confidence that you know you're going to land on your feet. So no matter whether you're disoriented, feeling upside down, regretting you stepped off the ledge, you know you're going to land on your feet, so you do it. I mean, I don't always know I'm going to land on my feet, but I have confidence that I'm definitely not going to land on my face. Oh, close enough. Yeah. So I'll survive. <laughs> okay. So you have about a year and a half left at Truman. Mm-hmm. You've been doing all kinds of cool things. Are there things on your bucket list to do here before you go? Uh, I think I've fulfilled everything. I think mainly just, I, I want to make sure I have space to take a lot of, a lot more fun mm-hmm. classes. Like I intend to take Japanese all the way till three or two. Cool. And as long as I can keep taking fun classes, I think I'll be all right. Okay. So I'm going to do something for your bucket list, right? Okay. And I don't know if it's on your bucket list, but you now need to put it on and take it off. I will. And that's pulling something out of the teapot. Okay. So my favorite part is I don't have to pull anything out of the teapot this, I time. Pull it this time. You pull it out. It's oh. for you. So okay. reach on in there and grab something. Pick a good one. I mean, I'll pick one. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> if you could have any animal as a pet, what would you choose? Is, so is this a question for you? Is it's this... a question for you. Well, I think dog. Why? I have a dog at home. Uh, I really, really love her. Home as in back in India. Back She's in not India. here. But I think a dog would be ideal. Maybe two. Because, you know, one dog. What if it gets lonely? Right. So two. Maybe three. But... <laughs> maybe three? <laughs> yeah. Okay, why three? Because if think... there's two, they won't get lonely. What's three do? Well, you know, what if you get bored with one? Well, <laughs> you have one you have more a choice. To I think a trio of dogs is good. Because I think dogs are also social animals. Um, maybe not as social as us, but they definitely are. Dogs are cute, cuddly. Uh, some dogs are scary. Um, but I like them. I like them too. So what kind of dog do you have? Back I have a Shih Tzu. A Shih Tzu. Yeah, so she's, uh, she's a lap dog. She's about this big. What's her name? Uh, Bella. Bella. Okay, so shout out to Bella. Huh? Yeah, she's absolutely. Listening. She probably will. She probably will. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what pet will you have? Or do you already have one? Uh, so I did have one. Unfortunately, um, he passed away at 11 and a half. I had a yellow lab okay. named Louie, who was Louis. like a three-year-old child in a dog's body. That's Super smart, knew his toys, knew exactly what I was telling him. Yeah. And so, yeah, a little bit bigger than a Shih Tzu. Yeah. A really smart dog. Still a good boy. He was a very good boy. Yeah. I absolutely love dogs. Yeah. I cannot thank you enough for being on Tea Time with Sue, right? It's been such a pleasure to get to know you. It was so much fun watching you and all of um, the people dance, right? And entertain, and it was just spectacular. And so thank you for making Truman a really super cool place and for joining me today. I could say the same for you. Thank you for making this place super cool. Well, with that, we have nothing else to talk about, (laughs) do we? (laughs) Really seriously, thanks so much, Krishna. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tea Time with Sue. This episode is brought to you by the Mohal Moose. Monty the Moose is the oldest Mohal resident, not including Zach Burden. Subscribe to the podcast to stay in the know for when new episodes are released. Do you know students, faculty, and staff at Truman who make it such a unique and special place? Guests for Tea Time with Sue can be nominated at truman.edu slash tea time. Join us for the next episode when Sue sits down with Laura Bates, the executive director of Student Union and Campus Recreation.